0: These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Hey, welcome to This Is Your Afterlife conversations with artists and activists about death and life. I am your host, Dave Marr. And my guest today, his name is Skylar Higley. He is a writer a former Conan writer, a current Onion writer, a very funny stand-up comedian, and he has a very cool project called Saltwater. It is an EP album that combines music and comedy, Uh, wrote it and produced it with his buddy Nicholas James, and it combines... It's not just like comedy songs. It's like Nicholas crafted all this music around one of Skylar's sets. And then they also recorded some studio stuff. It's one of those uncategorizable things that is hard to perfectly explain. And thus, when you make something like that, you feel really fucking triumphant. And then a little bit frustrated when it's hard to explain. And people are like, well, what is it? And you're just like, listen, trust me. It's good. So this is not Skylar talking. This is me independently. Trust me, Saltwater is good. It is a very funny, strange piece of comedy work. It's a good listen. I linked it in the show notes so you can listen to that. We talk about it right right up top in this this episode. We talked a lot about comedy in this episode. Uh, almost two hours so if you want that you that full interview. And I don't mean to say that dismissively, because I, I think it's it's worth it's worth listening to. He talks about getting hired for Conan in June 2020, uh, which, you know, in the midst of a pandemic and the uprisings is it's a very interesting time for a black TV writer to get his dream job. So we talk about that. And just a lot of minutiae of comedy stuff. It was therapeutic for me, man, to be honest. At one point, I was like, man, Skyler's talking a lot about comedy. You know, I, I told him I really liked this Saltwater Project, you know, um, but man, we're really focusing on this. And then, you know, afterwards, I realized, well, I'm continuing to ask him about that. This is serving some purpose for me, you know. And... Anyway, I, I don't think I've, I finished the thought of where to get that uh, that full conversation, which is on Patreon. You go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Mar. you pay five or 15 bucks. Either way, you can have access to the full conversations of these episodes. Um, those $15 patrons get shout outs, and we have a new one. So in addition to Susie Carroll, Fred Fidewa, Katie Llewellyn, and Kurt Chang, i I want to welcome the unit to the mix. So thank you to the unit, to all those others for making this show possible. You can do that too for the price of a coffee or a meal a month. But I want to talk about this, what what drove me to have this comedy conversation with Skylar. And I want to link it back to the solo episode I did last week. Thank you to all of you who listened to that episode, who gave me positive feedback. I'm really grateful for that. Part of that episode was about feeling alone and connecting with people about feeling alone makes you feel less alone. So mission accomplished there. And I talked a lot in that episode about, um, I mean, you know, directly and indirectly, about COVID, about disability, um, and, and the way we're seeing societal disregard for people um, make those people, myself included, feel dismissed. And I talked about just general mental health. And those things all contribute to me feeling alone sometimes, but there are there are other factors that contribute to feeling isolated from a community at least in my case and and they are they are not as they're more in my control than the things i talked about last week it, it, things like projecting you know my my taste is for less traditional I love stand-up. I genuinely love stand-up. I watch so many fucking specials. But I I like things that are trying to push the form forward. That's why this Saltwater record that Skylar made is so exciting. But just because that's where I want to be doesn't mean it's what everyone in the scene needs to do. So I could you know i did i coin the term player piano comedy last week did has no one else had that i'm really proud of that if so if not i'm ashamed for having stolen someone's material but of course the player piano comedy is terrible but there is really great traditional well crafted beautiful i mean just like a functional chair is is lovely And there's the stand-up equivalent of a functional chair. Not everything needs to be like an angular, uh, fucking gaudy house, Um, like G U G A U D I. I'm I'm not an architecture guy. What, what, What am I? I'm I'm getting into a a territory I'm I'm not familiar with here. Yeah. Drink some water. One second. Um. So what I was saying is I don't need to project I don't need everyone to be me of course um and, but I also another way and I touched on this a little bit last week another thing that makes me feel alone is the expectation it's 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 very close to entitlement you know I I try to find legitimacy to my thoughts not immediately jump to self-deprecation but sometimes it's, it's hard not to be self-deprecating because when I'm expecting everyone to give a shit about me, that's, that's, that's a little bit of entitlement, you know? And, and my coma and the attention I got from it really, you know, part of it fed that entitlement. And talking to Skylar who moved to chicago for stand-up and comedy in 2016 this is you know after i've you know physically recovered from the coma i'm talking to him now six years after that he had no idea what the fuck he he knew nothing about my story which is fine but i tend to project this thing like oh people uh you know people they're they're over me they're they're sick of my shit they this 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 and it's like you know i know we all know this that other people don't think about us as much as we think about ourselves but it's just hard to let that really really sink in and to go hey some of the reason that i feel alone in in my art scene right now is because the world is fucked and because i have some stuff that i'm dealing with but some of it is that i'm asking people to be creative in the way that i want to be creative when i should just focus on doing that if i see this hole i don't need someone else to fill it i want to fill that hole so get to work you know and I don't just mean shut up and 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 grind or whatever, but I am reaching a point where my assessment of the scene and even my assessments of myself are becoming a lot more about talking than they are about doing. So, yeah, I, I plan to keep this this space, um. I got good feedback on the episode last week. Um, I have talked to some, uh, some conciliaries who, who listen to the show. And uh, I plan to keep this space at the beginning of the episodes, uh, make a little space for myself. So, you know, I've steered clear of that. I've wanted to rush and get right into the show because I figure that's what people want. But um, not everyone. And so there will still always be the show, but I am not beholden to anyone, to any mandates for this. So it can be, you know, punk is what we made it to be, said D. Boone from the Minutemen. And This Is Your Afterlife is what we make it to be, too. And we does include you, the listener. But also, we includes me. <laughs> I do <laughs> We're both doing stuff. I really appreciate your part listening, but I gotta be honest, I am doing a fair amount of heavy lifting here in this relationship. And that's fine. that's that's the way I like it. But, yeah, so thank you for listening. Um, oh, shout out to the Mom stomp podcast that uh, Annie Donnelly, previous guest of the show, Hosts with joe scott um they said donate to this guy's patreon this bitch is begging every week um so you know th- thanks for that i guess mom stomp uh to two moms doing a podcast it's it's very fun uh unlike them i i genuinely uh support my friends and, and think you should just uh listen to their show so no uh no shit talk necessary um that's that's all i got right now I really, really enjoyed this conversation with Skyler. He's a unique dude with a unique background and he's thinking about comedy in unique ways. And all that ends up to us being uh, some pretty simpatico. So enjoy this conversation. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like Well, Saltwater is great, dude. Thank I you. fully support you being the future of stand up comedy um I, as I, as in future the artist not just i mean i guess you yeah, can be yeah, the maybe. like future of the art form if you want but like if this is the start of your legendary mixtape run i think that would be fucking cool
1: yeah it. i mean i am into it it's just that you know nick has because i'm not good at music uh nick has to <laughs> do all the music and he yeah. gets he's like when <laughs> we've been talking about it he's he's like by the end of the process he's like
0: i don't know if i can ever do this again
1: and <laughs> you know it's like, but that's a good. That. that
0: means that you've done the thing well, because mm-hmm. I feel like you should kind of feel that way after everything. Yeah, and then you just need a refractory period, and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, we can go back to it.
1: That's what I said. Like, I, I look, I very much like salt water. I think it's very unique in its own thing, and I think that you know, it's like it's it feels like such its own thing that people don't. When people have been talking about it to me. It's not just been like. Oh, your album. People like call it by its name. They're like saltwater, which I mm-hmm. that is really cool. Like, yes, it's its own self-contained piece, and thank you for respecting that. Um <laughs> it it just feel it's like cool because it's also yeah. I can talk about it in this way because it's not just my work, it's the work of me and my friends. Yes. Yeah. And we made it together. It's not just like I did this because I'm so funny. It's like, no, mm-hmm. it's she's amazing at music and was able to articulate my stand up in a package that like made it a different thing. Uh so that's why I feel like I can I can talk about it in in such like terms where I'm so proud of it. Um because it's a lot of his work. Uh but I do feel like I'm like continuing to talk about it and push it out more not because I'm like so I'm not disappointed by the response in it, but at the same time you do something like this that feels this specific and unique and you want it to like completely blow up and be like yeah. whoa this is like a huge thing which it like has not done and i don't mm-hmm. really expect it to i mean a good amount of people have listened to it but it's just like i don't know it feels so cool to me and i like it so much i also wish it would get as many listens as the for example like the metaverse video got views it's like that got gets a lot of views because it's like just content that's right there that's like its own Mm -hmm. thing but then like trying to put together something that you're like look i worked really hard on this and made this and it it took a while and some a lot of thought people are like oh cool great job and it's like just as over as anything else you know
0: i get it dude yeah that that thing of like you know you haven't reinvented the wheel, but mm-hmm. you're like, oh, but but did I though? Did I? Didn't I? Kind of didn't? Did aren't I maybe the biggest
1: genius? I just, um, I, I think it's very unique. I, I yeah, know, I haven't heard anything like it before, and it's also like it's not just that it's comedy mixed with music. It was very authentically came from like those things are their own. That it's not just like took this track from here and then put it on top of it right they were it's one and the same They cannot be you cannot disconnect them so yeah <laughs> at at the same time like i'm not disappointed by it i know it's gonna be out there is on, on a purely um whatever you want to say like business sort of social <laughs> media type argument to be made that like if I had waited two more years in my career, who knows what it could have done. I know, but you, you know? can't but like, dude. Like who
0: cares? I don't mean to be fucking morbid, but, and this is a pretty decent transition into the podcast, but you could fucking die before then. dude. Exactly. You need to put the shit out.
1: Exactly. That's how I, we, that's kind of, um, it's so funny when we met in, in college, we started working. Nick and I started working on this, uh, like we thought it was going to be like a series of short stories called relax you're gonna die because (laughs) we just you know 18 19 just starting to smoke weed and do acid and so we started to get into like absurdist philosophy and being like whoa everything goes away and so we started like writing all these short stories that were like these absurdist stuff with like the the unifying premise being like you're gonna die someday so you got to." sort of do your things or you got to live your life or like think about stuff because everything goes away. Um, So that has been sort of like a, at least somewhat of a background unifying philosophy for us, which is why we like get along so well, which brought us to this point where we made this.
0: Well, that's a perfect segue for me to ask you, what do you hope happens when you die?
1: Mm, I hope that, uh, I have lived my life uh according to the word of Jesus Christ, and I'm making <laughs> it
0: to the celestial kingdom. Uh, yep, still more. is that what it's called in Mormonism? <laughs> celestial kingdom. Yeah, there's three tiers.
1: There's three classes of there's um the Mormon cosmology is like so complex, but you have the terrestrial kingdom, bronze, okay, and then the uh celestial kingdom which is like the silver and then celestial which is gold and so in the celestial i know there's like more tiers in there but like when they talk about like in mormonism after you die you get to become a god like that is for the people who were good enough to qualify for the celestial kingdom which includes like doing all the stuff in mormonism like advancing through all the levels and doing all of the ordinances and like on top of that being like a really good person. And then like you would have had to have been, you know, married as a man and a woman and just like all this mm. it's a very, very specific VIP sort of. Yeah.
0: Group. Yeah.
1: Um, So that is not what I hope happens at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh what do I hope happens after we die? That's a great Cause it's a different thing from what do you think happens? It's like the hope is, is a different thing. I do. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm very attached to my consciousness and my intelligence because that's the whole way that I conceptualize my experience of reality. And, um, for that to completely unravel would be scary to me. Um, So I would at least hope that whatever this consciousness thing is, if it expands out and merges with like a more super consciousness and whatever. Yeah, merging with a larger consciousness, that it doesn't mean that my perception of self or like my consciousness of self is gone or that i don't have an awareness of that anymore i just like hope that it expands to a a full consciousness that sort of unifies uh, with everything else um but maybe maybe those things are maybe that's a paradox maybe you cannot be unified to a full ethereal universal consciousness without the annihilation of the self. So I don't know, but that just does seem stressful.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Is it the unifying with the larger consciousness? Is it a desire for knowledge or a desire for connection?
1: I mean, I guess it's both right. Like, isn't knowledge just a connection that you have to the quote unquote uh universe, uh the quote unquote external universe.
0: Maybe, but there's like really specific ways that like, at least here, that knowledge can isolate people and construct walls and like I mean, there's definitely I think a true dichotomy between, you know, the 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 hermit holed up in his apartment versus, you know, anyone going out and touching grass. Mm-hmm. Um yeah
1: yeah I guess, in the way that I'm thinking of it, like this sort of connection and knowledge like breaks down these perceptual or true dichotomies that we have um mm-hmm. and it it sort of overcomes them, and so I guess implicit within this like consciousness expansion thing, you know everything because you are everything essentially, um, okay. Uh, and, and, and we're getting into the weeds of (laughs) some real, like, what is, what the fuck do you mean? But, uh, it's like, (laughs) this is going to sound so stupid to say (laughs) because it's very Alan Wattsy and also means nothing, but like, there's no reason to know anything because you know everything. So you don't have, you don't learn it because you don't comprehend it in the way that like you and I, our intelligences, the way our brain works, we make the bits of information comprehensible to our brains, but we don't need to do that anymore because we're just embodying what the information is. Um, so it's like you, you know, it, it, it is what like becoming everything means. But like, again, that's like, I guess, kind of what I hope without being like so or or what i could both hope and think would happen without being so reductive about like oh what i i just want to live in you know parad- like it's not just like i think just saying like happiness or enlightenment pain pleasure reward punishment um is a very binary and oversimplified way of looking at the result of your own human life because your human life is only the result of so many other factors. So it's a little weird to even personalize the experience of like what happens afterwards if the experience of what was before was not personalized to you. So yeah. (laughs) That was that was so much.
0: What about funeral planning? Are there specific?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just uh, reads all of that and tries to make sense of it.
0: When people die, there's this this. Um-
1: they shit themselves, is what happens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, so yes, I've heard that, but I've experienced uh-huh. the uh, the 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 eulogizing effect that people do and they they tend to create superlatives for people so it's like Mm -hmm. no one can just be funny they have to have been like the funniest person of all of our friends right no like everyone is like their life turns into some lesson about generosity or about how you should always look out for others You, you you know you're it's 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 done with a with a positive intention, but it always has the effect of flattening out the person into a two dimensional, um, you know, lesson or or superlative. And I'm wondering, what would you want that to be for you, or what do you think it would be? It can be either. You can answer either one, but what do you think people would say about like ah oh, the thing about Skylar, or like oh Skylar was like the most blank
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing that <laughs> it's like it's funny you're cuz you're asking me to say like the the thing that when you're feeling the most narcissistic about yourself, what yeah. is it that you think of yourself? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh
1: it's it's just funny to be phrased in the way that like this is what people would say when I die. Um uh I think that people would say i think a lot of people would probably have something to say about like i think that i'm smart so i think people would go like that guy was and i don't and i don't think that i'm not smart i think i just say things in a way that sounds smarter than it actually is but i do think there's probably a i think people would go yeah he he that
0: He might have been the greatest genius.
1: See, now you're telling me to say these things that are very narcissistic.
0: It's okay, man. You can just say uh, I I might be the greatest genius. I won't cut it out and make it the (laughs) promo for the episode.
1: I might be the greatest genius of the generation, but give it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I think people would say that when it comes to, yes, amplifying these things um, and then Yeah, just, like, I would hope that people don't just talk about those things that are, um, like, those things that are on the surface. But I I do think that I would hope that aside from uh, maybe those things that are obvious, uh, I would like people to say, like, tried as hard as... See again, like I'm qualifying it while I say it. I I would like people to say that I'm genuine and that I um really try to be a genuine person and real with people and 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 genuinely care about them is what I would like a lot of people to say because that's one of the things that like th- that's something that I try hard for aside from just like being uh person that does what we do i try to like as much as i can like that's part of why i did the thing that i did with salt water and stuff like i just i do want to be genuine and yeah just be like a genuine person is relatively important to me um
0: so so he was a stand-up comedian without a stand-up comedian's temperament
1: (laughs) yeah well see that's the thing when people talk about like that's a great way to put it because people talk about, like, oh, don't date stand up comedians. But, like, when you say don't, you're date- like, please date stand up comedians. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the only thing I'm saying is, like, when people say don't date stand up comedians, they are talking about, like, a specific sort of temperament and thing that we do and sort of way that we interpersonally treat others and people that we're close to and it's not that that's something that i don't have at all or that i'm like not fucking guilty of being like that way with friends or whatever but i i just don't think that i um i don't have like the i i try not to have that like neurotic stereotypical uh I mean, I guess I can be pretty avoidant of emotions, but not too so hyper avoid it that as yeah. to like everything's a joke to you, and I don't give a shit about you know i yes so there there's just that part of it. I don't want to only be remembered as like, yeah, he only cared about comedy and he only cared about comedy and himself uh that would be upsetting to me um yeah, those are the ones that I would say.
0: Hey, it's Dave. I am taking a break from the guest for a moment to tell you about my newsletter, Definitive Answers. It's short for Definitive Answers to Unanswerable Questions. Basically, every week I send an essay in which I am squeezing current events in my own life for insights into creativity, culture, mental health, the kind of stuff I talk to guests about, but it's just me. So if you want essays like that, if you want music recommendations, a mood board of links and worthy places to donate, think of it like an old school alt-weekly, but just from my very overly sensitive comedy man's perspective, if that sounds good to you, you should subscribe. It's called Definitive Answers. You can go to thisisdavemar.substack.com or just click the link in the show notes and I'd love to have you and tell me if you like it. Okay, back to the guest. My last one-man show that this podcast grew out of is set in the afterlife, and I put forth this premise that in the afterlife, you get to fully relive one memory. You drop down into it and re-experience it completely. Um, Whenever you want, however many times you want, but it's not like you're stuck in it or your other memories are erased. It's just one that you get to re-experience particularly vividly at any time. But if you had to only choose one, what would that be? Wow, that
1: is a very, very difficult question because it's also colored by like, how exactly do I feel about that memory right now? And it also suggests that that memory is like, gonna be your best memory but i also don't know if that's necessarily true it's not like the best memory is gonna be the one that i want to re-experience so Mm. mm. interesting
0: it definitely doesn't have to sum up your whole life no and i would suggest that whatever is bubbling up is the right answer rather than having to dig for the perfect answer.
1: Right. Okay. That makes sense. Um, it's gotta be like, well, the thing that came to mind like very first is like the first time I did a show, I did it at uh the, like a show, like the first time you're like, Oh, I, I'm getting booked on a show after an opening. <laughs> you know? Um, I did this show at Corn Productions. Uh, I don't. know Oh if you're wow, familiar with that venue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, the Corn Conservatory.
1: The Corn Conservatory, exactly. Um, <laughs> and it was just like I was just getting way, way, way bigger laughs than I deserved. Way bigger, and it was just like my first show, but getting these like gigantic explosive laughs that were just like, it It just felt like just straight up cocaine, you know, yeah. like those things that are just like, Oh my God. Like this is the th- like, and is, I'm like, this is the beginning of everything, you know? <laughs> uh, and so that <laughs> would be a, a very good one to re-experience. Just like the entire feeling of that, of, of feeling this, like this is way different than any, open mic i've ever done like this is you know yeah i'm like really trying and like i think it's this is like when i'm like you know first show and i'm like i'm done i never need to work on comedy again i like (laughs) yeah and it's also because like everybody in that crowd was super drunk and it was like a wild crowd it's like that combination so that's
0: what you chalk it up to it was them being drunk well the 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 disproportionate yeah well it was also
1: the it was like an improv crowd and they i've seen other shows there where the laughs there i'm like why are the laughs like this it's like a little scary (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i'm like these are the jokes are mid and they're going crazy (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but it was the fact that they were drunk and that that crowd gets pretty crazy and it was like an improv crowd so you know how they laugh just way harder at stand-up so it was Mm -hmm. like that plus that they were drunk and i it was like a special sort of like competition show so like the energy in there was insane and i haven't done a show like that with energy like that since then and uh and i yeah it was just like such a big explosive thing so that's like yeah maybe that's the one but i'm there are definitely others i mean there's a whole swath of
0: different experiences to have. (laughs) Did you know at the time that the laughs were bigger than, as you say, you deserved or were you like, Oh shit, I've, I've leveled up.
1: Um, well, I felt like I had leveled up and which I feel like is, was kind of true because you do go from like, it was from open mics where you're getting much less laughs than anybody deserves. Uh, or at least, you know, anybody who's an actual person who does, jokes with structure right um but uh i don't think i had a full awareness of like how much bigger but it was like big i just i thought that like oh this is what shows are like when
0: Mm -hmm. you
1: have like a good show this is what they sound like and then uh, i realized it wasn't quite like that but um i didn't know that they were so explosively bigger i just thought Oh wow! This is way bigger than anything else, and I think, I I think this is this is it for me.
0: <laughs> Do you remember any of the specific jokes from that set? Mm. And the response to them?
1: No, I I I would have been doing more of my sort of like one-linery type stuff because I was starting out, so. Oh, one of them would have been like, I think the guy that invented the boomerang didn't have a dad. So he, <laughs> I mean, pretty good, pretty good setup. And, sure. he, and then the the other punchline is, so he always made, uh, so he made something that would always come back. You know, yeah. it's like a, it's a pretty headburgy type, you know, whatever. Yeah, totally. Pretty good totally. response. It's a good I, joke. I, I still, yeah. I still like the joke fine, but it's like it's so not what i do now of just like i started out being like i'm not gonna talk about race
0: (laughs) right right and then
1: everybody was like you were adopted by white parents you can't (laughs) do that and i was like yeah okay right fine but all these you know now it's the thing that i get really mad at when people try to have this criticism is like all these black people are talking about race
0: (laughs) you're like you told me to
1: yeah exactly but it's just like i i didn't even know you know i started out like being like you know this thing and then you know or like i whatever this is just where i come from and this is just my life and then people go like that's so weird and specific you got to talk about it i'm like really people nobody that's not i'm not different (laughs) yeah until enough people told me like you definitely should talk about this okay
0: all right (laughs) So I actually don't I don't know if you and I don't like to assume if you know my history at all. But 2014 mm-hmm. I was in this coma for a month and people eulogized me on Facebook one night when they thought I had died. Um wow. and yeah, this was like a big Chicago a- comedy scene thing, dude. If you want to if you want to hear it and you can hear Blake Burkhart also appears in the uh, this American Life episode about it. but wow. um so that that's like kind of where all this shit comes from for me. Mm-hmm. And it was wild for me when people when when i I woke up and met people who had started stand up, like after I woke up from the coma and I was like, it it was it was just a very strange adjustment to be like like you 2016 moved to chicago had no idea because it was right in that sweet spot when i had just transitioned to doing shows after doing a lot of open mics so i was mm-hmm. as close as i have ever been to the nucleus of the of the scene right um which is funny that like sometimes you get better and and more skill or experience and you're weirdly drifting away from popularity talk
1: to to me all about that when it comes to just the chicago clubs or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever so Um,
0: my question is because it's not a it's not a clear before and after like i got sober but not right away um but that did serve as a pretty um pretty pretty obvious moment of transformation mm-hmm. it does my question to you is what's your coma and it doesn't have to be grandiose it can be super mundane but something where before you were one version of yourself and after you're another
1: uh yeah i mean i feel like there's a relatively o- obvious answer to that question for anybody who's listened to the rest of this but yeah before when i was mormon and then after when i was not those are two very different versions of what I think about the world and who I was and the way I am. And I think that, like, for me, it would be pretty staggering to, like, really think about the Because I remember being in that time and being like, so much that i mean i was like between maybe 18 17 to 18 i stopped really like believing in it but i could like i could like really bullshit that i was believing in it and like doing it and like i had all the rhetoric but like my entire life up until that point was like i really believed in this stuff and i was really gonna go on a mission and i was gonna like do all the things that everybody told me to do and it was like a very like weird it's just weird to think about your own mind being like the way my cognitive dissonancies are this is who i am and what i think and the way i'm gonna be and then Multiple things happened that ch- shattered that reality or that illusion. And then I started just kind of like waking up and like branching out. There was like a definite branch out period of just, oh, I'm like understanding all these new things and I'm like moving to a new version of myself. But like, yeah, that was definitely, I think, the year of like, from eighteen to twenty was like a real coma for me. Of just being like, "What is the world for real?" Because you are just given such a specific structure of life, the afterlife, and like the after afterlife. Yeah, and then to really go to have that your whole life, like solidly stated and that's the thing about Mormonism that I think is specific and a little bit more particular to it and then maybe some of the other you know what people call cults is uh it's so specific and structured and so layered into however much of your life it can be layered into um without being like fully you know amish like still uh, Mm -hmm. acting like it's contemporary this is a way to live in the world uh that like when that starts to fall away to think about like the first thoughts of being like is my entire conceptualization of reality incorrect and is it just built on what other people have told me to think like that is a big uh moment in transition like yeah yeah, what were the things
0: that what were the things that shattered that that belief
1: um there were definitely a couple things i think that um like for how specific and particular it was to grow up in a adopted mixed race family i think that's like the first step of the precursor to not just buying into this it's like one of the dominoes that falls down or like one of the cards that this entire house of cards is built on is like you know we have all the did you read um um what is it cat's cradle it's kurt vonnegut's uh yeah i don't know yeah. if you're a vonnegut fan but i i liked cat's cradle and, and in that book uh there's a religion that talks about the
0: right um, nonanism or something like yeah, that, yeah, right? yeah yeah yeah
1: and and it it references like it's kind of Inverse to Mormonism because it references like you have your caress, which is like your group of people that you are divinely in the circle of. And then it talks about all these groups that are man-made human conceptualizations of structured groups and they're Mm. not real. And one of those things uh, that is based around biology in real life is like family, for example. Your family is a human conceptualization yes it's built around biology but it is still a structural concept and having a family that was not built on biology but learning from a young age that we Mm. were still family was kind of one of these first sort of framing things for me of things aren't just what they are they are what you make them and so there was that there was the fact that my parents got divorced when I was nine and I had a father who was not really a good guy and how much the church um, like abstracted and justified stuff that was just like patriarchal and abusive and all this stuff like that is another level of like, well, people are so locked into this concept of like what family needs to be and what, uh, what a what how you should, uh, adhere to your respect of your mother and your father and like all of that. While that was like outwardly toxic, so you're just appealing to this ideology without really caring about the result that it had um, so there was that on like you know a, a personal level where i would have like i kind of stopped talking to my dad at like 15 years old and uh because i used to go back and forth after the divorce and then i would have like my dad's dad and like his whole family be like well, why aren't you talking to your dad we don't get it and always try to get me to talk to him and i'm like he's a not a good person and he makes my life worse and i don't want to talk to him not on some teenager like fuck my dad kind of shit like he's an actual narcissist so i don't want to interact with him and you don't get that just because you have such a small conceptualization of the world and you and it's ridiculous so that on a personal level and then also like there was all that proposition eight stuff that happened with gay Mm. rights that the Mormon church was really in a lot of trouble for. And then people did a lot of like justification of the Mormon church and homophobia and like why it's not so homophobic, even though it's like actively terrible to these people. So there was that part too. Uh, So it was all these fragmented, fractured sort of little things that made
0: me go like,
1: yeah, this doesn't, it doesn't really, you know, make sense.
0: So what's the difference between, what's the difference in your day to day or in your behavior or in your disposition other than, oh, I no longer have these beliefs, you know? Cause it's one thing to be like, oh, I had the belief in the celestial heaven. Now I don't but it's another to go and that made me narcissistic and now i think about other people or something mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be that exactly but like what are the like really visible differences in how you feel and how you act
1: um i think it's it's hard to separate because when we talk about this, we're just talking about my childhood and adolescence. So it's hard to separate this. Like, I think it's why I don't have material, more material on it. Cause it's hard to source an actual premise between like Mormonism, religion, you know, and that in combination with growing up around pretty much only white people, and and race, you know, those two things are intermixed. Right. So um to talk about being out of that is also to talk about being out of the environment that I was in. Um Mm. uh, to answer your question, I just slightly modified the question, I guess. Uh I would say I'm uh just a lot more confident and comfortable with myself. I don't feel uh, just awkward and afraid of like being who I am, which I, I carried a lot of just fear and anxiety about being the right type of person or feeling like I wasn't going to achieve like what other people were going to achieve as far as like just being able to like, be something that they wanted to be or just having a life that was like, it just felt like uh, things felt a lot simpler for other people than they were for me, whether or not that was true. It's how it felt a lot of times. Um, So that's a definite change in my disposition and like a lot. Yeah. I mean, I still have quite a bit of anxiety, but a lot less of it um, coming from, you know, other places and then just like uh of course a lot less shame about you know my entire existence it's just more like oh yeah i can like (laughs) you know be myself and then not be afraid of like oh is this anti-mormon that was like so much of the fear too is that like the religion was so specific and the ideology was so specific that there were so many like tripwires to the ways to be that it felt like you were always constantly reacting to like the external world of being like I'm not part of this I I am trying to get myself away from this and it's a very scary experience cuz it's like oh you can't listen to this music you can't uh, watch this type of movie you can't speak like this you can't hang out with these people you you shouldn't you know it's uh, like a terrifying experience uh, if, if you read the wrong thing that's an anti-mormon thing and it's like it's not anti-mormon it's the quran it doesn't say right. anything against mormonism it's just says a different thing
0: yeah yeah i can see how that would be a an utterly nerve shredding existence to constantly be avoiding those lasers and 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 the the thing that's at stake is are you a good human being right and yes. being and a good human being hell. is an <laughs> utterly tenuous state mhm yeah
1: yeah it's, it's yeah there's and there's so much just like wrapped up in 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 that so um and part of that is also just you know going from adolescence to young adulthood to adulthood um but it it definitely the change is like pronounced to where I think about the people that I, I do this thing where I will see somebody from my high school that I still follow on Instagram and maybe they're Mormon and maybe they're white and maybe they're married. It's usually those three things and I'll <laughs> see them and they'll make a post and I'll go like, it's like a game I play where I go like, Oh, like thank you for making a post because now I remember to unfollow you. And I just get the the joy I get from unfollowing them because I don't talk to them. They're not going to consume or like the type of comedy that I have. So I just unfollow. But I think about like the way those type of people are versus the way I am. And think about like what I could have been maybe kind of probably uh, is like very it's very odd when you see somebody doing that sort of like genuflecty is that the word i'm looking for they're 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 trying to embody like spirituality and trying Mm. to be like jesus gives me so much comfort and so much and there's a certain amount of that that's true but you're also doing a lot of like burying your head in the sand about a lot of stuff and just kind of like pushing it away so that you can feel comfortable and and happy because like everything is spelled out for you it's you know it's just like having a regimen or whatever where you're just like well i have maybe i don't know what it's like to be mormon now but they those people seem to be very nice and confident and whatever because they like are like yeah well there's this whole big blind spot about whatever but that's just a black hole that i'm just gonna push those thoughts into and they can go away and that is maybe that experience and maybe some people don't feel that or are not comfortable or are comfortable in that but um yeah i i just think that like there would definitely be a even more pronounced difference between like being a mormon now because there's like so much more that goes into it like marriage at the age of 23 and all that type of shit.
0: So I I've never heard someone describe unfollowing someone on Instagram as like a spiritual experience, but <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I'm getting from this.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's really like uh, it's really that's liberation like a, for you. Yeah. It's like liberating yourself from this concept of like, uh, I don't have any association to this anymore. It's 0% what I aspire to. And it would have been like if you showed me a picture of two straight white adults with a two year old kid and a dog, and they live in a house in the suburbs with a yard, and they have. A 2014 Ford Focus and the hmm. wife stays home and the husband is a realtor and he is pretty good at it, I would have told you for up until I was probably even into 18 that like that's kind of what I wanted Ugh. or that's what I thought I should want and that's so far outside of who i really am that like that was just like a fake version of aspiring to something and so being able to unfollow that person is and and feeling good about it is a a sense of like i'm unfollowing that idea of living
0: that is the show Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the show. Review the show. Take take thirty seconds. Review the show, and subscribe to the Patreon. You can pay five or fifteen bucks a month and get full length conversations. Uh, no no intros, just full uncut convos and. Uh, yeah check out check out Skyler check out Nicholas's Nicholas's Nicholas James's music and until next week remember you are a mist and human
1: beings, they do miracles.